going on, everybody? Welcome into the chatter. Big time guest on the show today. It is Miles McBride, point guard of the New York Knicks, a former man of Moeller. Those who know, know. And uh, once got his start on the playgrounds of Cardinal Pacelli and may or may not have lost to one of the hosts on this show. Welcome to the chatter with Chuck and Houdini. Let's start off with this. I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I'm more worried about Joe Flacco than the Kansas City Chiefs. Somebody's going to take a, a soundbite of that when we lose to the Chiefs by like 60 and uh, end this podcast. So a couple months back, Houdini said, I'm not worried about Kansas City whatsoever. I'm more worried about Joe Flacco. That pertained to the Bengals' path to making the Super Bowl. And here we are once again. Chiefs pull it out over the Ravens. They will meet the 49ers who take down Houdini's beloved fighting Dan Campbell's, the Detroit Lions. He had been on that team all season long. I told you from day one it was going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Chuck won, Houdini nothing, Houdini minus one for his take that the Chiefs weren't going to get back there, man. But who would have thunk it with the way they were playing a couple months ago? Yeah, as a take artist, I pride myself and, you know, almost never being wrong. This happened to be a case where, you know, Houdini was wrong. The Chiefs looked like ass, though. Flacco looked like the second coming of Christ. Uh, that all came back down to earth, and we got the, the Kansas City Chiefs again. I know it was a big debate in Cincinnati. Are you rooting for the Ravens or the Chiefs in that particular game? I was going I was going Chiefs, man. I'm not trying to get a, a AFC North rival beating Kansas City and possibly winning a Super Bowl before our beloved Joe Burrow. So it is what it is. More uh, more Jason Kelsey, more Taylor Swift. I'm not even mad about it, uh, but we're rooting for the Niners. We're, we're going to get back on your, your 49ers train for the Super Bowl. You think Travis Kelsey, if they win it, he's done? This is it for him? Retires? No. I, I heard on a podcast a few days ago, actually, that he thought he could go for two more Ws, two more Super Bowl wins. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't. He's still extremely productive, but him and his podcast taking off just like ours, right? The, the Kelsey brothers. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. Um, but yeah, I could see him going for another. I mean, he he could do a Jason Witten and play till he's like 38. You know what I mean? So go to the booth, come back out, that sort of thing. Why not? <laughs> right. You're good enough. Control the narrative, baby. It's time for Houdini's Hump Day Hits. Let's start with Jay Billis. Everyone loves Jay Billis. The NCAA basketball analyst for ESPN is is pissed. He's saying that fans should not be allowed on the court. This stemming after the whole Caitlin Clark incident where she got bumped by an Ohio State uh, fan that was storming the court. Everyone's saying, why, why are fans allowed on the court? It's, it's stupid. Jay Billis is saying fans should be allowed nowhere near a court. That's their sanctuary, Jay you got plenty of good takes over the years. That's a very bad take. You want to talk about people not caring about your sport? Tell them they can't go on the court anymore after a big-time win. It's atrocious. Jay Billis has been notorious for his, like, holier-than-thou takes. I'm so sick of guys that got their law degree in, you know, 2002 or whatever and think they're smarter than everybody that ever existed. And he's one of them. He does have some good takes. I actually like Jay. But shut up, dude. The People have been storming the court for decades, man. Centuries even, right? They were probably storming the court back in the 1700s. I don't know. But let the kids storm the court. Sometimes it gets a little ridiculous, and I get it. But for big wins, the Caitlin Clark thing was so overblown. It was, For the record, it was a flop. I think we already that's already been all over the internet. It was a flop. flop. Um, 
put the right controls in place, try to get the players off as soon as possible, but you cannot take away Storm in the Court, man. It's a tradition like no other. Absolutely not. You know, part of the, the Big 12 or something and get inside info, because that's what this kid did. But from all accounts, it was a great documentary. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'll tell you this, we actually have some inside info. Breaking news, and just to state, one, we are not journalists. The Chatter Podcast will, will spread any rumor there is. But our friend Coach was at the West Virginia-Cincinnati game in Morgantown. Disgusting. We don't want to talk about it. We already talked about it enough on Chatterbox Bearcats. If you like UC, go ahead and subscribe to that show and listen to us vent. But Coach said he was in the line getting some peanuts late in the game, and a drunk West Virginia fan told him Huggy Bear is going to DePaul. So start the rumor mill now that DePaul is going to have Huggy Bear on the sidelines soon. I, I love that. And, and Coach, our anonymous source, said, I trust this guy. He goes, run with this story now. He was just a random guy. He's like, I know his sources. They're tight. They're airtight. Run with the story. Bob Huggins to DePaul. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if basketball might be bad for Bob's health. He looked great. He looked like he lost 75 pounds just over the course of not being the head basketball coach anymore. So it he might be better good. for him to yeah. step away, but he's he's got an itch for hoops. So I think he'll be back. I hope he's back because he needs to be a part of college basketball. He's one of the he was one of the last guys that was like a staple, like the Coach K's and Bayheims of the world that was still coaching. New segment. Is he a jackass? In this case, are they jackasses? Um, recently had some buddies that went down to Gasparilla Fest. Why? Just because they wanted to go down to Tampa Bay. You know, living in the Windy City, they said, let's get to the warmth. Let's go down to Gasparilla Fest. They dressed up as full pirates. They had eye patches on. Pretty sure they had peg legs. One had a stuffed parrot on his right shoulder. They were wearing, like, cloaks in 90-degree weather in Tampa, Florida. Are they jackasses? This is the first I'm hearing of this. I just I just Googled it. The Gasparilla Pirate Festival, often simply referred to as Gasparilla, is a large parade and host of related community events held in Tampa. Um, essentially, it's just a parade of pirates. Um, God, parades, man. They're expanding. There's a parade for everything now. Apparently, I didn't know you could do the Pirate Festival. I'm sure it's a lot of fun, right? It's basically just like a, almost a, a Pirates of the Caribbean in Tampa, Florida, I would assume. Everyone's dressed up as Jack Sparrow. Bottle rum on Jack hand. Daniels. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think these guys are jackasses at all. They just like to do a little uh, cosplay and, and dress up as Jack Sparrow. Cheers to I them. agree. Have some fun at Gasparilla Fest. I don't see why not. Is he a jackass? Houdini saying that Panda Express is the number two fast food restaurant on MySpace Top 5. Houdini, I went to Panda Express for the first time in years. Years. Got the low main. I thought I was going to patino myself. I mean, that was that was brutal, man. I, I did not feel myself for about 48 hours after that meal at Panda Express. It was tough getting out of bed the next day. Felt it into the weekend. What were you thinking? Is he a jackass, folks? This is for everyone listening. Is Houdini a jackass? I mean, I'll, I'll answer that. Yeah, the answer is yes. I absolutely am a jackass. The way the top five or the MySpace top five works is, okay, I was dealing at the end, once you get actually closer to the top, the, the pool to choose from gets lower and lower. I love Panda Express, but it's a very niche scenario. It's got to be your hungover. You need something covered in oil, a little bit of lo mein, maybe some orange chicken, 
some fried rice, the whole nine. It can do wonders for you. Good bang for your buck. Um, but you will not feel good about yourself or physically um, anytime after eating it. So just a dis- disclaimer to anybody that pulls through the Panda Express, in 30 minutes, you're not going to feel great. All right, very special guest on the chatter today. It's New York Knicks point guard, the former man of Moeller. It's Miles Deuce McBride. Deuce, how we doing, man? Doing really well. Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. And we're humanizing this interview big time. Uh, For all the Knicks and the Mountaineer fans tuning in, we're going with a little bit of an origin story. Back to the beginning and exclusive. So myself, eighth grade or so, junior high, our gym teacher, Rob Hacker, calls us in. He gives us one of those, you know this, Deuce. Everybody around the circle! And uh, tells us uh, tells us about a guy, Trey McBride, that's coming in. <laughs> I didn't hear anything about Miles. They came in at the same time, but Trey had all this hype, was a really good basketball player himself. When did you start to overpass Trey as the better McBride, beating him on the driveway, that sort of thing? Because he had the size early and a lot of the skill. Uh, you did too, but uh, he was the guy we were talking about from day one. Oh, man. Honestly, we're still going back and forth. Uh to this day, uh, we haven't played as consistently since uh, since we've both been pros. But I mean, we 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 had some battles throughout college, and and it was tough. It's still fun. It's still fun playing with him. Yeah, and as as far as just to kind of go off of, I know Chuck was saying before we jumped on air. So I, I went to Elder, played uh, played basketball there before your time. Um, similar players. I averaged four and a half points, didn't sniff a, a college scholarship. You now play for the Knicks, you know, the past deviated a little bit, but I was, um, running through the old GCL sports website. So I knew you guys were good from what I pulled off 29 and zero as a senior, I think the average, uh, margin of victory was 26 points. Did at any given point, you guys went back to back state titles at any given point. Was it was that a blast of a year? Or was it almost, you know, did it get a little redundant just coming out there knowing you're going to win by 25? What was that like? Because I didn't necessarily have that uh, similar stereo there. Oh, man. No, I had a I had a blast, I think, my whole high school career. I think in the games I played, I lost I lost one game, which was the state finals uh, my sophomore year when we were 20-27-0, I think 28-0. Um, and, you know... Then my junior year, I got injured in football, so that was really tough. But I was able to play the last four games and, and win that state championship with you know Jackson Hayes, Jeremiah Davenport, uh, a couple of those guys um, having good careers. And then senior year, I think we were just we were so locked in on going back to back that it, it never got boring. And you know when you're having fun doing it with you know a group of guys that you've known since you were young, there's nothing better. Heck of a quarterback at Moeller High School. Um, based on how you play in the NBA, the defense you have, I think it's safe to call you a dual-threat quarterback to the truest extent. Uh, you got hurt, gave up football to focus solely on basketball. But I want the exclusive. How good would you have been? I always say football was my first love. Um, I started playing before basketball, um, and I happened to be – you know, I, I don't think I, I was set on it, but – uh, my my high school coach John Rodenberg he came to me as a as a freshman and said you know we know you're good at basketball but you have the ability to be a Big Ten quarterback and you know obviously I was pretty athletic and and really good but when I heard something like that 
Um, man, I went to work like like no other. I was I was throwing in the tires at home, throwing throwing at the goalposts, throwing in soccer goals. I mean, I was doing anything I could to be be a be a great quarterback. And you know, I was I was getting interest from schools like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, um, Syracuse. Uh, man, a lot of schools for football. Uh, I personally think I could have went to the NFL. Um, I'm a little biased. It's the only time I, I really brag about myself. Um, just, you know, my work ethic. I felt like I, I had the tools to, to be an NFL quarterback. I believe it. And you can probably see in the background, <laughs> I got a little UC emblem back here. I know for, for a damn fact, you could have started at uh, quarterback for UC this past year. Um, but <laughs> I got to ask you, whenever, you know, me and Chuck are UC fans, what was UC ever on the radar for you um, as a as a recruit? Was that something you were looking at? You know, kind of the hometown kid. What was that like for you? Yeah, because you were cousins with Yancey Gates, right? Yeah, yeah, Yancey, um, and then Anthony McBride. They're related, so we uh, uh, he was Yancey's high school teammate, at, uh, and then he played at UC with them. But um, football wise, they were they were on the radar. They they recruited me pretty heavy with uh, Luke Fickle and all those guys coming down, coming down to Moeller a lot. Um, but basketball wise, not at all. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely hurts. I think being a Cincinnati kid and not getting um, a Xavier or UC offer, you know, to this day, I, I don't know why um, they felt the need that to go out of state when you, when you have homegrown really good kids right here in your backyard. Um, I definitely think I would have considered it heavy if they would have offered but my dad being a Xavier alumni, I could see why UC probably didn't didn't pull the trigger. But I mean, I definitely supported UC, still do. Just obviously being from there, I want to see Cincinnati do well. Um, Xavier, though, I'm still not sure why uh, Chris Mack never pulled the trigger. Um, I'm still, I'm still, I still think about that definitely, and it goes all the way up to Ohio State. Not not sure why why they didn't feel the need. Um, but, you know, it all worked out for me. God had a plan. It did. Well, I mean, I think it might have been for Mick Cronin's sake. You might have scored too many points in high school. He he loved probably your defense, but he's like, that guy puts the ball in the basket too many times. We can't be doing that here at, at UC. Um, but it, it, as far as I could see, the a lot of times the Columbus, for whatever reason, doesn't venture down to Cincinnati. But you're like freaking 10 minutes from campus of Xavier and UC. So that's um, wild to me. But um, in regards to your college career, I know we're backpedaling a little bit, but Bob Huggins. So you, you're going from Bob Huggins, Tom Thibodeau, some kind of like hard-nosed guys. How's it like playing for for those two guys um, growing up, obviously? Man, their reputation is the real deal. Um, no joke about defense. I, I remember um, – Coming in as a freshman to, to Coach Huggins, and, man, uh, we were fortunate to have a, a foreign trip, so we are going to Spain, so the NCAA allows you to have real practices. So we we had a, a three-hour practice. I'm, I'm fresh off, you know, nothing. <laughs> we It was summer, basically, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming into campus and having a three-hour practice with nothing but full-court defense and – Having to guard elite Division One scores, I mean, that was one of the longest days of my life. Those first couple of weeks on campus was 
they question you question how much you love basketball for sure. Those those right. were some tough weeks going from. I mean, and it sounds crazy, but even just eating like the food they force on you, just knowing what's what's coming up in the season, it's it's like you wake up, you eat, lift, gym, eat again, gym, go to sleep, school. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 insane. What are the guy you the eat? Just advice. like chicken breast and oatmeal? <laughs> no, I mean it was just like nonstop protein shakes, like whatever they could find and, and how many calories you could get, throw it in there, like omelets and bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches, like great food, but like nonstop. <laughs> it was it was a lot. What's the best advice? you've ever received um in the nba who was it from when was it how did it sink in man i've been i've been blessed to to play with some some really legendary players from derrick rose and kemba to um i mean guy might not be as known but alec burks um taz gibson's and then just being around the league you know talking to guys like draymond chris paul um Man, um, Chauncey, I think the main thing everybody says, it, it's kind of cliche, but it's it's truly keeping the main thing the main thing. Um, it's one of the kind of the first kind of things you hear in the league from a lot of guys. Um, and you're kind of like, oh, like, what, is, what does that mean? But you, you start seeing it because our lives just get filled with so many distractions. Um, so many people coming in trying to trying to ask you to do this, do that, and then you know you're worried about. Yeah, sorry about getting you on this podcast, man. But <laughs> no, nah, all good. But uh, you know, you start worrying about playing time. You start worrying about you know trade uh, requests or you know trade things, and you know how can I do this with this type of time and traveling because you know until you've gone through an NBA season, you can't even explain the type of travel and and playing 82 games. Um, so it's really like, you know, taking that challenge of what's, what's ever in front of you and, and, and doing it one step at a time because it, it can get hectic and your head can be spinning. But if you keep the main thing the main thing, you know, you'll be on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that kind of leads me to, to this question. So with the OG and Anobi trade that recently happened, it seemed like it kind of opened up a, a spot in the rotation for you. What's it like being, you know, how do you keep yourself prepared for at any given point that, you know, Thibodeau might say, Hey miles, we need, we need 25 minutes from you tonight. How is it, you know, staying prepared on the day to day where some games you might not play as much as others. What's that like for you? It's, it's definitely a, a difficult uh, task for me. Just, you know, I'm still young in my NBA career, but after the first two years, you kind of see like, Oh man, this player is not going to play. This player is not going to play, but you know, you've prepared all summer you've practiced hard and you know when a coach has that trust in you to to play you that ma that amount of minutes knowing a player is not going to play it, it means a lot um when a when a coach and an organization gives you confidence like that that you know you might be limited right now but it's not because you're not good it's it's just we have this we have this rotation this rhythm so but at any given moment it can change like that and it's it's proven to be that Plan for Bob Huggins. Obviously, Cincinnati fans love him. Best story you have as your exit interview? Ooh, 
man. <laughs> Sheesh. I got I got a lot of a lot of good stories. I don't know how many how many I can uh <laughs> I can tell. He's got some he has some we had some moments, but I, I mean Jeez. A lot of a lot of times. I think just the everyday type of stuff. Um he can be so cool telling jokes, you know, just having a good time off the court. But as soon as he, he stepped on those on those line in between those lines for practice, I mean, he turned into a whole nother person. The intensity, um just just his character was just bigger than life. I mean, it was it was like crazy when he got how serious he took basketball and you know just the stories and the life lessons he gave me i'm just forever grateful for all those things did carl kramer have you ready for that he's a pretty intense guy himself in between those lines definitely ck definitely had me ready for that um he did a great job preparing me <laughs> no i doubt, mean you dude. would carl uh, kramer bob huggins tom timido and I was, I was, I didn't know. I was like, man, he's gonna just be locked in and so intense for this interview. But you've been, you've been <laughs> awesome, man. But you went through the ringer with the uh, the coaches, man. Yeah, I haven't had it easy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I gotta give you one, Miles, and this is um, a little shameless plug here. I'm doing this solely for the soundbite. We don't want any controversy. This is not controversy by any means. This is just uh, Miles admitting to something that happened when he was in the eighth grade. Let's go back to June Fest 2015. I'm a senior in college. Miles McBride is in eighth grade. Uh, not a, a big eighth grader by any means, but he had a lot of skill on the basketball floor. Him, his buddy, Eli Fulton, who ended up playing at Roger Bacon and Evan Garner, who uh, may have sniffed the floor at Bacon. I don't even know. Took on myself, Brady Garner, and a kid named Cameron McCluskey. <laughs> The three of us lost, I think, the first game 12-2. It's a charity tournament. Next game, we lose 12-5. We play him a third time. Magic strikes. The shots are going in. And, yes, a, a team full of nobodies took down now Nick's point guard, Miles McBride. So I want you to confirm that story, Miles, for all the people out there on the podcast. Uh, Chuck did take down Miles McBride in a game of basketball. I remember the tournament. I have... I have no memory of what happened, uh, but I mean, I believe it. Uh, if we won twice in a row, we probably did start start playing around. So I'll, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you guys that dub. Fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, Chuck needed that. I, I personally don't believe it at all. Deuce McBride, everybody. Oh, Thanks for joining the chatter today. And honestly, from... Uh, you know, the, the, the Mount Lookout guys, the, the Cincinnati Bearcats fans, the Xavier Musketeers, although you could have had Deuce McBride, you didn't get them. You know, everyone that enjoys eating Ramundos to the um, to the to the great state of Ohio as a whole. We're all so proud of you, man. Crushing it for the Knicks right now. You, you never forget where you come from. You're one of those guys that always gives back. And it's uh, it's great to have you on today, man. So keep killing it. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. Had a great time. Are you on the train with a spray tan, Houdini? I want your thoughts on a, um, let's say you're a little pasty. You got a wedding coming up soon. It's January 26th. You need that color. Are you sacrificing your integrity to go get a spray tan? Has Michaela gotten you on that train yet? Or are you completely off the train? You you willing to dabble? Where, where are we at here? We don't have to imagine that I'm pasty. It's pretty clear. I'm about as white as it humanly gets, especially in the winter. 
aside from my lifeguarding days, that was like the only time I ever got actually tanned. I, I am on the train. I do not, you know, rip on any dude that wants to go get a spray tan, right? It, unfortunately, some guys come out looking like a, a two liter of Fanta, but that's what you want to avoid. I haven't done it yet, but I'm not opposed. I mean, for like my own wedding, I think you got to get a little base tan. And I don't really plan on like, you know, being at the Florida beaches for two months to get that naturally. So I, it's better than going to the, the, uh, the tanning salon, getting in one of those, you know, microwaves. Right. So I think, um, I think it could happen. I, I future, we'll, we'll see what it holds for Houdini and the tan. Have you, have you ever done it? You seem like a guy that might've done this. A few You're right. Times. Wedding. You absolutely have to. You had no idea that I had a little bit of color on my wedding. You just said, Chuck looks good today. He's glowing. It's his wedding day. Guess what? Yes. Right. I paid $30 and may have done the stand up indoor spray tan. Here's what you got to do though. You got to, you got to be careful. You got to be very careful. You want to go in there knowing what you're getting into because they, they get you to turn in all these different positions. You got to do like the Pharaoh position. But there's a lot that goes into it. And sometimes the tan doesn't come out good. You know? But live a little, folks. There's no reason to sit out in the sun and look like a leather man anymore. You don't want to look like the wax man in Cincinnati, Ohio. Just go to the indoor spray tan. No one gives a damn who Danny and I are on the train. It's about $30, whatever. But uh, here and there, I've done it maybe three times. Yeah, no, there's a fine line that you don't want. If you go too far with it and out of nowhere, you look like a guy that was in Cancun for the last six months. It's it's a red flag. So just don't go overboard. We all see those guys that are, you know, completely 18 shades darker than they were the day before in the middle of February. So just toe the line, you know, experiment a little bit, see what works for you. Maybe I'll, I'll come on here looking, you know, super Italian here soon. We'll see. That's what I don't understand, though. Some people go in them and they come out and have a lot worse tans than others. So I don't know. Uh, the key is, you know, wash it off quickly. Don't keep it on too long, that sort of thing. And you got to protect those hands because those are the telling point. You know, you don't want to walk in the next day True. and do a little jazz hands. Not that you go into work often, Houdini, and give the jazz hands to the people. But if you did, you don't want them seeing all that orange gunk all over your hands. But, yeah, it's something that you pull out maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. When you desperately need it, that moment where you're going to the Bahamas in the middle of February, you have zero color, you know you're going to get fried, give yourself a little sun kiss. It's $30. Who cares? We're both on the train here. And here's how we're ending the show today. Hope everyone has an amazing Thursday. If you're listening on Friday, the weekend's right around the corner. Go attack this weekend. But remember, remember what our friend Jelly Roll said, a fantastic new country star that's rising Here's how we're ending the show. It is a quote that he had at the Country Music Awards. And it's really the way you should live your life. Success is around the corner, everyone. The Chatter with Chuck and Houdini. And today, Deuce McBride. Have a good one, everyone. There is something poetic about a 39-year-old man winning New Artist of the Year. I don't know where you're at in your life or what you're going through, but I want to tell you to keep going, baby. I want to tell you success is on the other side of it. I want to tell you it's going to be okay. I want to tell you that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason because what's in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. Let's party now!